0: Hello, I'm Chris Hudson, and welcome to FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast, keeping you in the know about commodity markets. If you want to stay up to date with everything going on, then do sign up to our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. It's Wednesday the 19th of Jan, and if 2022 was aiming to start on a different note to 2021, then I'm not so sure it's actually achieved that. With growing numbers of Omicron variant cases across the world in the run-up to Christmas, combined with the tensions building up on the Ukrainian border... Central banks across the world still have the issue of high inflation to deal with and there's huge logistical issues and constraints hampering a recovery to what would be a considered normal pre-pandemic. So if you thought we're going to have a breather, then you were definitely wrong. Changes, tensions, Nostradamus-level warnings have coloured the news to start this year, with Russian military build-up on the Ukrainian border making NATO allies nervous and forcing diplomatic talks. In the Pacific region, had its own standoff with tensions growing in Hong Kong and Taiwan as China seeks to exert its authority over the region. Sticking with China, there have been questions over not only their crackdown on tech and distance, but also how sound large sections of its economy are, such as property. High gas prices are still plaguing Europe and the resultant high energy prices providing a headache uh, for governments to deal with. And lockdown measures being reintroduced across the world as the Omicron variant starts to spread and numbers increase. But let's take a look at the commodity markets and what we've had since the start of the year. And this is Tuesday the 4th of Jan versus Tuesday the 18th yesterday. Uh, look at the freight markets. All have moved down with the, the biggest group of uh, losses in the Cape size moving to just below 11,000 now, having been nearly 20,000. Panamax has moved down from 245 half to 185 just above, and Supermax is moving from just over 24,000 down to almost 20,000 there. I know, 62% has been a rare mover up again, continuing its uh, rise from the doldrums in November. 122.90 it was at the start of the year, now 127.30. Uh, the Sing point five percent has had a large increase with the movement up in oil. 5.72 spot 83 it was at the close of FIS report on Tuesday, the 4th of Jan, now 645.94. On the uh, wet freight, T3C has dropped down, down to 35.82 yesterday, having been 37.5 at the start of the year. 145 was TC2, 1.3806 138.06 is now. TC5, uh, 113.57 at start of the year, now 97.5. And Northwest Europe Steel was 900 at the start of the year, edging itself up again, 917. And the EUA, that's the compulsory European carbon markets, 84.91 at the start of the year, 82.67 now. But what most people listening to this podcast will be thinking is, how do all these events outlined before affect the commodity markets? And what will my 2022 look like? So I had our MD of strategy, Alex Prairianasio, give his perspective of what 2022 could bring us.
1: OK, so I've got a few ideas for what 2022 will look like, and I've gone for a bit of low-hanging fruit to discuss today. Um, obviously, the one that none of us can ignore is the environmental product and, and green energy uh, outlay for the rest of the year. I think everyone's recognised now that this is a movement and not a moment. Uh, you know, it's, it's here to stay. Legislation's in place, and the markets are adapting very quickly. Um, and I think that's probably, for me, that'll be one of the biggest things that will affect the commodity market this year. You know, I think we've got larger macro issues to look at. Um, the Russian threat, how that's playing uh, its part in the energy crisis. We saw inflation figures come out in the UK this morning, the highest since 1992, and that's going to be a concern for everyone. Um, you know, can that be de- can that be rectified by de-escalating uh, the situation with Russia? Maybe um, we're going to find out. Um, on top of that, you know, we've got the the Black Swan events that, that seem to be occurring more and more. Um, you know, everything from volcanic eruptions in in Tonga to global pandemics. You know, what does 2022 have in store for us in in that aspect? Unfortunately, I can't predict that one. And then, you know, something to keep an eye on outside of perhaps some of the more, um, those mainstream uh, things that I looked at just there, is some of the general elections happening this year. Uh, We've got the Brazilian general election in October this year. What does that mean for the commodity market if Bolsonaro's government is removed or replaced? Um, As much as he seems distasteful to many, he's done a lot for big business in Brazil, and his, his policies have certainly had an impact on, uh, on, on the commodity market. On top of that, we've got midterms in the US in November. This will be the first midterms since the boundary reallocations in 2020. And for, for any Black adder fans out there, they'll remember how boundaries uh, being addressed were. Were sort of mocked um, in, in those episodes and how's that going to affect what what the Senate looks like come sort of Christmas time um, and then the last one and, and a very interesting one I think that will play a part again in the EU energy crisis and and perhaps northern hemisphere commodities is a French presidential election in November um, you know what how does that shape up and what does that mean for probably one of the powerhouses of the European Union so yeah I mean to sum that up I think you know green energy um, <laughs> political threats, black swan events and general elections are going to shape 2022 for us. And whilst I can't predict it, these are all things that I think we
0: should keep an eye on. One thing that 2022 will definitely bring us is innovations and new markets. Two of those already outlined are the SGX battery metal contracts and CME's container freight futures. So let's hear about battery metals.
2: We're very, very excited to see that the SGX is launching a whole suite of battery metals contracts that includes cobalt metal, cobalt hydroxide, battery grade lithium carbonate, and lithium hydroxide. The SGX lithium carbonate, if they are going to launch later half this year, is going to be the first lithium carbonate contract that is available to the market. In parallel with current existing Lithium hydroxide contracts that's available on the CME and LME, as well as the cobalt metal contract that's also been trading on the CME and LME. FIS is leading the battery metals space by over 70% of the total broker volume in both the cobalt and lithium contracts. And we are seeing a lot of interest coming from China, especially from the... um, Industrial market participants, that includes a number of battery makers, some of the automakers, as well as some trading houses that are looking into hedging their physical exposures. We also received interests from other Asian regions, including Southeast Asia, from the um, the the EV and battery uh, manufacturers, as well as the traditional battery. Manufacturing countries, uh, that's in uh, Japan and Korea. So a lot of things um, are happening in this space. A lot of new players are looking at entering this market, and uh, uh, with all of the available price risk management tools, um, it's uh, definitely um, beneficial to the um, the the OEMs in terms of their. Uh, Cost control and uh, um, price risk management. Batrachomelas prices went up significantly. Well, as for cobalt, uh, the prices went up over one hundred percent, doubled the price uh, from the beginning of the year to end of the year. So it began with a fifteen point six U.S. dollars per pound price, and it ended with a thirty three. US dollars per pound. A lot of people are surprised by the huge increases. Well, that's, that's nothing as compared to the lithium prices upticks. Lithium carbonate prices went up over 400% year on year, um, due to the strong demand from the electric vehicles, as well as the shortage of supply, um, all the way from the raw materials in uh, the concentrates concentrate uh, to the lithium chemicals. Um, lithium hydroxide, um, at the same time, also went up over 440% um, in a whole year. And that was unprecedented, I would say, uh, as compared to a lot of other commodity markets.
0: That was Joyce Sang from our Singapore office speaking there. Container freight last year saw huge volatility in rates as the supply chain was squeezed to breaking point. This has been one of the driving forces behind the listing of the new cleared futures contracts, which will be, which will give businesses a great tool to manage the world price risk that we have seen lately. Peter Stallion, our container FFA broker here at FIS, and the driving force behind these new cleared contracts. Talk to me about them.
3: So, yeah, thank you very much, Chris. Um, you're right. 28th February, we'll have a cleared launch of the contract. Um, already seeing quite phenomenal interest, as you all know, from all of our previous podcasts. But it's all about trying to firm all of that up, ready for that launch date on the 28th and trying to get as much of the market spinning as we can. Um, we're looking at some quite large counterparties that, as you might imagine, are, are looking for liquidity and looking for volumes in the market. Um, so we're in that very awkward phase of trying to get things spun up and ready to go um, to bring in these big counterparties. So all very exciting. Um, I'm really trying to see or seeing some quite interesting things come up, such as cross-market and cross-route spread across some of our other products, um, including the the Drybox Supermax 10 TC. And we're also seeing some interest across the front and backhaul routes of the six routes that we're launching. Um, and by all means, get in contact with us for more information on that. Um, and really, now's the time, because time you know the clock is ticking, up until the 28th for that launch date and we want to get as much interest as we possibly possibly can ready for that. Um, things are still very very volatile in the market we were looking you know on the back end of a, a massive upswing in container rates over the past two years they since came off a little bit and now they're jostling around prior to the Chinese New Year 1st of February um, already seeing some blank sailings and some action going on in the market such as uh, you know fines and, and government investigations and all these things happening that Add a bit of dynamism into the rates and we see what happens with congestion and and, uh, demand and and volumes and all these things. So really exciting market, attracting a lot of interest. Um, So, yeah, look forward to it and get in touch with us if you want to
0: learn a bit more about it. I'm sure you saw the news headlines and reports of the record year last year for volumes in the dry FFA market, which has only fed expectations for another golden year this year. Let's hear from Kerry Deal, our head of business development, on what's been going on so far.
4: Well, the dry freight market has had a miserable start this year, and Capes in particular, shedding 44% of their value in the first two weeks of 2022. To put things in perspective, the spot Cape 5TC rate now of 10.913 puts us at less than half the levels we saw this time last year. Although the move down on Capes fits with traditionally weak seasonality in Q1, I think the scale has taken some by surprise. The primary driver here has been extensive flooding in Brazil, caused by heavy rains forcing Vale to suspend production at several mines. While Vale are gradually resuming production at Burkutu and Mariana as rail services recover, the damage has already been done, with growing tonnage lists in both basins keeping a lid on rates for now. While the C5-Aussie-China route rebounded a tick to $7.76 yesterday, the C3-Brazil-China continued its drift down to $18.77. To make matters worse, in the short term, iron ore demand from China is expected to remain low, as Chinese steel mills look to have completed their restocking activities before an early Lunar New Year this year, and the upcoming Winter Olympics are also expected to suppress steel production. The paper market has reflected the negative tone from the start of the year, drifting off more or less continuously. February is trading at 11250 this morning on FIS Live, compared to 19000 at the start of the year. It's worth noting the steep contango, though, with the market still expecting Q2 to be healthier, trading 21 250 value this morning, and that contract has held up better overall, losing only $2,625 since the 4th of January. The Panamaxes took a sharp hit as well to start this year, with Indonesia's coal export ban biting very hard. Although the Indonesian government released an additional 22 coal shipments for export on 17th of Jan, that's 34 ships in total this year, and miners are hoping to be granted more export permissions soon. And even with Australian coal exports picking up 4.3%, 7.3 to million tons last week, according to IHS Commodities at Sea, this had little impact on the long tonnage list in Southeast Asia. Grain exports remained at the same level as last year, with around 10 million tons shipped last week. In addition, Brazil's soy planting season began early this year, which could result in high soybean export volumes in Feb and March, rather than the more usual Q2. An increase in volume out of Brazil will lend some much-needed support to the rates in the near term. However, the Asian market looks fairly depressed, and with limited reports of new cargo out of the Atlantic, the spot and paper market remain depressed in the near term. February Panamax 4TC is trading 17,000 this morning on FIS Live, with Q2, like the capes, holding up better at 21,800. It is worth noting, though, as you pointed out, Chris, that the traded volumes on FFA are the one area that is quite healthy so far this year on paper, um, given all the movement.
0: With leaked draft legislation on changes to the carbon trading scheme and daily coverage of climate change saturating news sites, 2022 is going to be a year where you hear the word carbon an awful lot. Theo, talk to me about what's on his radar for carbon markets this year.
5: All right, so uh, carbon, it's going to be a big year in carbon. Um, let's just start off with the uh, indexes, and then we'll uh, go on from there. So the EUA uh, December 22 contract, uh, I guess they settled at €82.45. And moving on to the uh, voluntary market, CME NGO contract, December 22, settled at $16.14 yesterday, whilst the GEO, which is the Corsia or airline type of uh, product, uh, December 22, settled at $8.13 yesterday. So I thought uh, this week, let's have a chat about some discussion about what to watch for 2022 in the world of carbon, both compulsory and voluntary. So let's start with the EUAs. So the EUAs uh, started this year with a price rate up to €86.80 per tonne on the 4th of January. And this was due to uh, allowance supplies, um, high gas price and market reforms. Inflation also uh, contributed to this. There was an investigation to speculative conduct at the end of last year, and the EU Securities and Market Authority uh, concluded there was no proof of such behaviour, adding to this bullish sentiment. The first auction this year was on the 10th of January. That's the uh, free allowances. And uh, these free allowances for 2022 will be eligible to cover last year's emissions for industrial customers in Europe. Uh, There has been a delay, though, on the calculation of these free allowances. and They may not be received on time which the deadline is the 30th of April of this year for last year's uh, requirements. This means that ability to borrow for future years of free allocation will not be possible, forcing these industry participants to buy earlier. So that could have caused that bullish sentiment. The market stability reserve will continue to reduce auction volumes, which is likely to bring an undersupply in the market in 2022, it's believed. And this means that speculation, speculators will probably look to buy and industry also will also look to hedge. And volatility, as always, uh, there's been a large volatility in this market due to the fundamentals, uh, which provide a structural bullish tone. Some may claim that this is also sentiment driven. The industry is changing and and they're changing their their hedging strategies since the free allocations all expire in the future. um, Instead, industry are banking these free allocations for future and then hedging their exposure. Another reason why we're seeing these high prices and stable high prices in the market. Um, On the bullish side, we see underlying on the annual basis led by policy, gas price like we discussed and downside risks are varied. The fit for 55 does support the EUA prices and mentioned gas and fuel switching between gas and coal encourages more use of fossil fuels. Coal closures have been limited um, due to coal generation capacity but coal uh, closures in the future may not happen as, at the same rate as we've seen um, in the last couple of years. Coal plant closures can also be seen as a bearish tone due to EUAs though, which also reduces that mandatory hedging requirement from the utilities. Industrial demand has lost momentum as well due to COVID and we have had supply uh, constraints. So these, all these things probably weigh into that bullish argument if there is one. So it's going to be a very interesting year this year on the uh, carbon side. I was reading Bloomberg <clears throat> predicting an average price of 75 euros for the year. And um, should these more bullish slanted uh, arguments uh, succeed, then that's very well, that's probably easily, very easily achieved. So that's the UA. So having a look at the voluntary carbon market, the um, that's the uh, NGO and GEO contracts on, and of course OTC, which we broker here at, at FIS. Um, the year started off strong. Uh, so, when referencing NGO contracts and CME, the open interest is now close to 9 million tonnes on the December 22 contract, and now it's steadily trading over 16 US dollars a tonne. Um, Blooming released a paper last week, <coughs> which, it, which is being quoted through the world on uh, a number of articles and publications on the rise of the voluntary carbon market. Having gone through this 70 uh, page thesis myself, actually, um, they predicted uh, 22. Is the moment of reckoning. This year, we'll see an ambitious uh, sustainability pledge and commitment from a large number of industrials and uh, and what have you. And these investors and and will this? The question is, will this investor pressure um, get to these corporations? The other thing that's been uh, highlighted on the voluntary carbon market is the uh, crypto rush, that crypto gold rush, which is a uh, which has created a flaw in the voluntary carbon markets where the uh, there are crypto. <clears throat> There are crypto companies that are coming in and buying all the low uh, fruit of the carbon market which is creating a flaw and that's actually also creating stability and pushing our price in the top end. The question is if these all these uh, plans do align and all these um, bullish tones do happen, Bloomberg is stating that the carbon credit market could grow 50 fold by 50-50. So depending on how suppliers react coupled with the initiatives and framework created by uh, standardizing the market prices, they have the potential they say to rise significantly creating a 190 billion dollar market as early as 2030. So demand is on the rise and that is definite and demand could exceed 5 billion tons by 50-50. So it is argued that car markets may be un- oversupplied um, and off- offsets are increasing but the, the question is the quality of, the, um, of this supply and the definition that uh, people will take in what is a good carbon, uh, voluntary carbon credit, and what is a, a not so good carbon credit. So it seems as though these premium quality, these nature-based quality carbon credits do still hold value.
0: Oil markets have been a little quieter of late. It seems that there is renewed enthusiasm that everything will be okay, with demand returning and focus shifting to long-term predictions of supply tightness. Let's hear from Sam Twyford on what's been happening since the start of 2022. Uh, thank you, Chris. Yeah, so uh, we've seen
6: quite a rise into January as we've come off the back of the new year. Obviously, we saw a, a bit of a sell-off into November as we heard um, the Omicron variant was uh, prolific across the whole of Europe. Uh, we've later found out that these cases aren't as uh, aren't as um, testing as we once thought. So, all prices rose into the new year, um, building on fears of market. Uh, building on market fears of Omicron virus um, and threats escalating in geopolitical tensions. The oil markets face with yet another supply disruption. Uh, we're only three weeks into the new year and the list of supply-side issues is already getting fairly long. The latest of these is an explosion along the Sehan pipeline which carries crude from northern Iraq to the Mediterranean Sea. This pipeline carries around 450 million barrels a day of crude therefore the dis- disruption here is uh, is is Quite a big one. Uh, there's no timeline on how quickly these operations will return although the fire has reportedly become under control. Then the cold winter in the northern hemisphere has supported heating demand while there were market concerns if the current supplies and productions were sufficient to meet demand even though there was some easing of unrest in Libya and Kazakhstan to lift supply. Um, Also, uncertainty of geopolitical threats between Russia and Ukraine continued to support crude prices amid fears in the interruption of production um, and distribution of strategic supplies A conflict broke out and sanctions being implemented by NATO members. All of this has led to banks such as uh, Goldman's uh, indicating that a super cycle could last longer than the uh, year that was once predicted. Um, A decade-long commodity super cycle, they've been quoted as saying, um, due to the big deficit of 2% of global demand, with inventories now about 5% below the moving average.
0: Finally this week, let's take a look at the fertiliser markets. Having had a crazy year last year and hitting record highs, there is a lot of uncertainty in the fert space, especially with those high natural gas prices. So let's talk to Sam Sed
7: about what's been going on. So we're seeing an extremely volatile start to the year. Uh, The null urea markets um, so far in just the past two or three weeks now without um, much really changing on the fundamental side of things. Values were down in Q1 so far this year from about 760 um, in late December to now about 600, which makes over a 20% decline, 20, 21%. India is still out of the export game. Um, Their last tender wrapped up just before the end of the year. Um, China is not going to be exporting urea um, until at least the Olympics are over, likely longer. Um, and then we're seeing not uh, or a, a lack of new barge demand in the U.S. Uh, pre-pay season in the U.S. was huge this year. Farmers were very, very cash rich um, with nowhere else to put money before uh, paying taxes on it. Um, so we're not seeing much new demand. We're seeing um, supplies relatively heavy and volatility has been really crazy with lots of good trade volumes. Um, I think this, this is going to draw a lot of um, sort of new money, I guess, into the fertilizer markets um, for um, outside players looking for exposure to kind of new and niche and exciting markets. Yuri um, has done a pretty good
0: job of, of doing that so far in just the past three weeks or so. That's it for this week in the freight and quantity markets. Join us again next week for more insight, and have a great end to your week.